This is exactly right. They memorized their lines. They did the most incredible job. And at the end, I went, I can remember saying to my husband, this was the best day of my life. I mean, I really changed their lives. They're so positive. They want to read books and I can't believe it. And I went to school and I said to them, what did this mean to you? And I thought they were going to say we could read, we can write. They said, are you kidding, Dr. Waller? We got McDonald's and fries free at 7 a.m. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, With increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Yes, Your Child Can with Dr. Victoria Waller. For over 40 years, internationally acclaimed reading specialist and student advocate, Vicki has helped children who have trouble reading, who can't sit still in class, who don't feel like they can participate children whom teachers have all but given up on. Vicki holds a BS in education from Wayne State University, a master's in education as a certified reading specialist, and a doctorate in education focusing on reading and learning differences from the University of Cincinnati. She's been awarded the University of Cincinnati's Distinguished Alumna College of Education Award, was one of three finalists for the LA Music Center's Bravo Award for Outstanding Teaching, and was named the local hero in the LA Times for her Printer Pal program, connecting students with nursing home occupants. Vicki also created the My Disney Busy Bags for Travel on planes and cars for Disney Hyperion Books and also created backpacks and toys for M&M Mars, Inc. She was a founding member of the LA Children's Museum, a veteran speaker for the International Reading Association, and the focus of Eve Bunting's internationally acclaimed middle-grade novel, Sixth Grade Sleepover. Vicki is also the author of Yes, Your Child Can, Creating Success for Children with Learning. And she lives with her husband and dog, no surprise, named Tudor, and has two children and two grandchildren. Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I, so I, your book inspired me. Um, your, without having met you, like I now have, the words like your enthusiasm and love for what you do and have done for decades, it seems like unfettered. It, it just, there, it's just so, it, it exudes through the pages of the book, this book here that I'm holding. And I say with sincere, all sincerity, it is the most user friendly non-jargony guidebook for learning disorders, learning differences, learning disabilities, and what we now call neurodiversity that I have read. And I have read a lot of these books. So big kudos. Thank you. 
Thank you. Coming from you, that's really important. Thank you. I What I kept thinking about throughout the book and the more I learned about you is this the special sauce. Like you have special sauce, you created special sauce, and I'd like us like you to take us back to your road to becoming a learning specialist, an educational therapist and specialist, and and how your secret sauce emerged. Well, it's funny. I don't consider myself having secret sauce, but right from the beginning. Every child that I met who the teachers said were, di- and this is over 40 years ago, disabled, They're, they have dyslexia, they have all these things. And I'm thinking, no, they all have a secret sauce. And I know this sounds weird. Whenever I meet a new child, I always think, I wonder what it's going to be. Oh, maybe this one's not going to have anything. And then it happens. I have a little girl a year and a half ago came to me, couldn't read, couldn't write. Um, they did have her tested, which was very good. I was happy, but they didn't want to put her on medication. Okay. And she was just this amazing child and so creative. Like I can think of an idea, but I can't make the things that the children make. I, I don't do that, but I have ideas. And this little girl, it's a year and two months later, parents finally put her on medication, a tiny bit now. It's not just Ritalin and it's going to make you be a drug addict. Excuse me. There are a lot of medicines. She takes a little thing in the morning. She, I'm going to cry. She starred, starred in Annie. Okay. Mm. Starred, sang, knew the whole script within five days. And of course I sat in the back sobbing. My mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I mean, She's a totally, that's the secret sauce. I find Mm -hmm. it in every child. And I have a new boy that I wasn't finding the secret sauce, you know, and he was very negative about himself. He has been tested. I've been pushing. They suggested putting him on meds. I've been pushing. Please try to do it. And these are parents who don't want to. And all of a sudden, one day, he was singing some song. And I said, I've seen him for five months. I said, what's that? What's that? Your voice, what is that? He said, oh, I like to sing by myself. I said, but you have a great voice. He said, no, I don't. I said, believe me, listen to my voice. You'll know who has a great voice. (laughs) This child, uh, it was unbelievable. And The Week Junior is a fabulous magazine. Every parent and teacher should buy it for their students. And they had a whole article on write a song. As a student, write a song. It tells you how to do it. So I said to him, let's write a song. I can't write a song. I said, well, I don't know. I can't write a song either, but let's do step by step and write a song. And he liked some character, which I had never heard of. We went to the character. We heard the music. And he immediately wrote all these words. And I'm just going crazy because he's writing and not spelling so well. But I don't care because he told me what he was writing. Mm-hmm. And my son-in-law is a record producer. Mm. So I send the tune that the boy liked with his words. And my my son-in-law writes back, this is amazing. Now, here is a child who every time you say you're great, this was a good, you know, you did a really good job. He'll say, no, I didn't. You can't get, this isn't me saying it. This is a real record producer in Hollywood saying this is amazing. And he's doing something and putting it together. I have no idea what he's doing. And the boy will sing the song. Mm. 
Not mm. secret sauce. Vicky doesn't. I mean, I have secret sauce in that I try to pull their secret sauce out of them. And there I it is. There it is. Right. to teach them. Instead of saying, okay, right. you don't know long balls. We better do them. I see what they like to do and I right. sneak in the long balls. <laughs> well, and the, the buzz word for a while now has been strength-based, strength-based teaching. And it's, it's, it gets a lot of lip service. I mean, we do need, like, this is what we do need to be doing. And this is what you, you, you embody, right? So the teaching to strengths and passions, people like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. When you really do it, as you have learned and as you are teaching us and as you wrote about example after example after example, it opens doors, it opens minds, it opens confidence, and it literally changes a trajectory of an individual's life. Confidence is the word. My children, the children that I've always taught in the classrooms as an ed therapist, they don't have confidence until we find that special sauce. Mm -hmm. And then it changes because they think, oh, yes, I can. Instead of being negative, I'd say most of my kids come to me pretty negative. You know, they're, and it's interesting. I, I really love teachers, okay? But they literally in college get one class on teaching reading and maybe three pages in a book on learning disabilities. Right. And the children, I mean, if you could find, here's what happened. The teacher is at, you know, I always com I communicate with the teachers. And she was doing, um, oh, it's all about the, the rivers and the lakes and the, all this stuff. And the child comes to me to study 20 pages 20, okay, of definitions. Ugh. Okay. Pain, pain, okay. pain. The yeah. child has a very good memory, and if we go over them, she would remember them, and 24 hours later, I will Gone. ask. Gone. Gone. Yeah. We went in the garage. I, I should, oh, you, we are not live. If you saw my garage, there's thousands of books, and it has every kind of thing you can make stuff with, mainly Amazon boxes. We went in the garage and I said, here's a box. I want you a big box. I said, I want you, my dog food comes in it. So it's a big box. I want you to make the entire geography, make the mountains, make the lake, make it, put it all. 15 minutes. She went to the boxes, knew what she wanted, put out all 20 definitions. I said, take it to school tomorrow. She took it to school. She got a hundred percent without memorizing, but she did it so she knows where they are and how it is. And the teacher wrote, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen, but I don't have time to do it in class. And mm -hmm. I wrote her back and I said, no. I said, you could do it as a project. Every child at the beginning of the school year, bring in a box with a bunch of junk and just put it, you could, I know classrooms, I've right. taught in a classroom, put it on the side so everybody can, but they're making it, they're seeing it. 20 pages of definitions that child would never remember one definition within 24 hours. Right. Right. Hands-on context, yes. meaning learning. And it, that, that makes the difference between memorizing, which for kids with learning differences is often very difficult. And when you can do it, it you don't learn, you just get it in there long enough. Um, I remember my daughter, we, we have a, a family of uh, neurodiverse learning styles and my oldest, when I was having to go through 
um, history again, which was not fun for me the first time for the same reason. I remember saying, Dad, do you have time tonight to help me cram all of this stuff into my head just so I can remember it for 10 hours for the test tomorrow morning? Right. And it's like, that's the sad truth when we're teaching in that way, particularly for kids that have these learning differences. And let me ask you, how do you know, where are you with learning difference, learning disability? Um, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you go? Never in over 40 years called a child disabled. They're Mm -hmm. all, and I think, which you're going to ask me later about my feelings about stuff, about how I become aware of myself. I, (laughs) I realized that the reason right at the beginning that I like teaching children's learning differences because they were smart. They had some passion about something and they could make, they could do whatever I said. If I saw an article on like this thing with the music. Okay. I saw the article. It's not that Vicky came up with it. I I do teach using music though, because I take the music and I print it out, whatever song is the hot song the thing is, the songs, they're so horrible, and they get in my head, and then for days I'm singing the songs. I put the song down, and I underline all the words with long vowels, all the blends, all the digraphs, but it's words from their song. So mm-hmm. then they'll remember, oh, yeah, right, that's the T-H, oh, that's the S-T. So I'm doing skills, but I'm right. doing it differently. And I don't care what you say, a teacher could... I don't care about Bruno as a song. I thought I was going to die hearing it 4,000 times. I don't care about Bruno. I taught more of those skills using that song. A teacher Mm. could do that in her class, and the kids would Mm -hmm. remember all the skills, and then they had a good time, and they would be singing the song all the time. It doesn't have to be a ditto. Everything is a ditto paper still. They print it out, and the kids have Dittos. I haven't even heard that or thought of that word. It gives me flashbacks. Dittos. Oh, man. They print, they print, and it's nothing. You know, and my students, I guess it's just because they were, I liked it because they were so smart. And they Mm -hmm. were so interested that I liked it. And they always had unusual interests. You know what I mean? Like it would be, okay, the boy who came to me originally and why I wrote the book, Okay. Mm-hmm. He came to me standing outside, said, Dr. Waller, it's me. Well, I haven't seen him in 20 years. Okay. He's now six feet six with scraggly beard. And he said, you told me to find my passion. I want to thank you. I have two master's degrees and two doctorates. I said, oh, your passion was claymation. And I was very involved with Disney. And so Disney, we would do claymation. And he said, no, you said to find my passion. I said, what's your passion? Trees, <laughs> trees. He went to <laughs> Yale to learn about trees. He now has written 10 books and wow. he's one of the biggest experts in trees. You know, you, you plant the trees and then the bad areas are nice, nice. And you, uh, yeah. uh, trees, he said, wow. you told me to find my passion. Trees. <laughs> trees. And he's the biggest expert on trees with knowledge, and he's the maybe the biggest by stature at six six. He could be yeah. the you know the tallest tree expert as well. But so he that is, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that's awesome. And you know, so what is? I find that people you know there's the two ends of the continuum, which is a lot of uh, ed therapy tutoring on skill development. Um, and remediation, and isolation. right? Skill 
in isolation. Yes. And then there is the other end, which is strength-based, passion-driven um, teaching. And you combine those, right? So it, it, both, are, both are needed in these situations. Is there, back to your secret sauce, what, like, what would you say percentage or how do you embed your, like we want everyone who teaches to do what you do. So how would you describe how you bring together the skills and the strength-based, passion-based teaching? Well, the thing is, the teachers need to let go of this, you know, ditto papers and bass out, you know, you have to memorize this. I mean, this is in reading and writing because I can't mm -hmm. do math. I can't do it all. I don't do any math. But the reading and writing, even a story that they're reading, just say to them, okay, your homework, instead of reading 20 pages of your homework at home is to please go home and make, uh, let's say they're learning about rivers make something some kind of a shadow box with rivers or with whatever they're studying animals kids like animals choose an animal you want don't give just everybody choose an animal you want and two people can do the same animal and use it as a homework go home and do that instead of doing five pages of you know stuff that you just have to sit there and memorize for one night and forget the next day the teachers can do it I think the teachers, if you want to know the truth, they're overloaded. They're overloaded with a lot of busy work. They're overloaded with a lot of kids in the class, with the kids that are disabled. They don't know what to do with them, but they don't realize that if they use those kids, those kids are, I hate to say it, but they're much brighter in a creative and different out-of-the-box way. Right, right. That goes right. And they could do that, but I think they're just overwhelmed. I mean, the teachers that I've worked with this past year, and I had a Kardashian, and she's so happy that it's Courtney's child, and she is a lovely mother and a lovely person. It's very, I'm very happy. She's yeah, she pregnant. gave you she gave you a very serious, a very uh, strong shout out. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's very a, happy. She's yeah, a wonderful mother, but the daughter is just adorable and brilliant, brilliant. But I mean. I taught, you know, I would write to the teachers a really good private school and they go, Vicki, you're doing such wonderful things, but we can't do it in class. And so Vicki with her big mouth would say, yes, you can just <laughs> do this. allow the kids to create their own thing at home. Do it as a homework project instead of giving them five pages of homework a night. When I finished working with Penelope, she was in fourth grade. Honest to goodness, she had a good three hours homework a night. And it, none of it was creative. It was all these pages and pages of, it was just, and I loved her teacher, loved her teacher. That's what they learn. And, and I tried to give my book out to as many teachers as I can. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to do mm -hmm. that. And I think they still call kids disabled and they don't realize unless I, when this little girl stood on the stage, as Annie, I mean, the teacher came up to me and said, I would have never thought she could have done that. Mm -hmm. and I think one of the parents says, what you gave my child more than even teaching reading is you gave them confidence. That's mm -hmm. the most important word. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, you can do it. Mm -hmm. You can do it. And I think that's why I like teaching kids with differences because they're so smart and they're in, everybody has a different, this one child, he came in and then I said, what, what's he interested in? And she said, the computer. I said, well, does he have any interests? 
she couldn't think of an interest on this child. He comes in and I said, so what do you, you know, what are you really passionate about? He says, oh my God, I love sharks. Now, the mother couldn't say that because she was not her fault. She's worried that he's not reading and writing. So right. she doesn't care that he likes sharks. Well, I know the greatest shark expert in the world, Chris Fallows. He was on Shark the Shark the Shark Week, that thing, and I met him and of course became friends with him because in my mind I'm thinking I'm gonna use you. <laughs> and he this kid had to write every question he needed to write about, and of course everything was spelled incorrectly. We went over it after I typed it up for him, and they did a zoom. Now we zoom. He's yeah. in South Africa. He zoomed with Chris Fallows. Well, that I mean, is an, another part of your secret sauce is you connect people yeah. Yeah. with experts in their interest area who validate them. They see a mirror. They see they bo both ways, right? Like the astronaut who sees a little junior astronaut, the shark expert who sees a little future. Like it's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And what it does is it shows these young people that they matter that they they're they're important and that there is there is a path for them when you change that when they see that they can do it everything about them changes their confidence their behavior at home which is always negative and that's the first thing that parents will say to me you've changed the whole attitude in the child i'm really not i'm not a a, a you know, a psychiatrist or a therapist like that. But somehow, because I do, I believe in them. And if they have learning differences, I know there's a secret sauce somewhere. I know yeah. it. And right. I've never, this time I wasn't sure. And then he blew me away with this writing music mm -hmm. and singing. But I mean, right. he has a great voice. Right. At, that took me a little longer. He's, it was very, he's a very negative person. So I have to try, I had to try mm -hmm. to get in there to find something mm -hmm. that he could do. Right. Well, know. and, and I think these days we have to get really creative. We know uh, with kids, we know that there is a mental health epidemic of young people, um, of people suffering, of people feeling bad, of people feeling scared. And we need to go outside of the box of just traditional psychotherapy, which of course I'm a big proponent of, but there's only so many people who can do it. It doesn't work for everyone, and it's not always accessible to everyone for geography or financial reasons. And therefore, there are so many things that are other types of activities that are therapeutic and healing, and yours is one of them. So you said, yeah, you're not a, a psychiatrist, you're not a, a, a licensed therapist, but your work is therapeutic. It helps people grow and integrate and have confidence in themselves and helps with their identity. Right. But I wish that, I just wish that more teachers, I don't want somebody to read the book and they say, oh, well, you can do that because you're a therapist. I was in a classroom for 40 years. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Except it's funny though. I always liked the kids, the kids who couldn't read and couldn't write. Those were all my, oh, always my favorite kids because the other kids could do things, but they were creative. And I mm -hmm. liked I like that part of these children is that there's, and I always, every time I meet a new child, I'll, I think, oh, maybe they won't have that special sauce. And then it always comes up. Mm -hmm. It always mm -hmm. comes up because they're, I, I don't know. I've never met a child with learning differences that wasn't bright. I mean, I guess there are some, but I never have met them and I've taught thousands of children. So yeah. I don't know. I think 
you know, I mean, like uh, you said about my book, and I think it's really true. I originally wrote a 360 page book about my student and it's in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because I saw him, let's see, three hours, three, five hours a week. I saw him three hours on Saturday where we cooked, we cooked. Mm. He came over the other day. He's in 12th grade, all A's. I couldn't believe it. All A's. He's still on meds. He's still on mm-hmm. meds, mm-hmm. but he got all A's and he was just in Fiji for a month in the water with sharks. Mm. He wants to be a marine biologist. It's it's unbelievable. I find that a child like that, it's just it's a step by step process. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you're not going to snap out of it. My book was a book. I wrote the book. The school had me write a, a little paper every time I saw him, and it turned out to be 360 pages. I, I talk a little bit too much. And <laughs> 360 pages, and the book itself, I gave it to an editor, and she said, it's a great story about this kid. Great. Who's it going to help? A parent who has a child like that doesn't need that book. And I went back, and I just put it on the shelf till a couple of things happened. Dexter, the one with the tall that came back to thank me. And these kids, they came and they said, Listen, you've got to write a book. So it's not every book. I, I have every book on ADHD. You open it up and there's a brain. I close the book. I don't want to see. I don't want. I want to see what to do. Right. My book, like you said, for yeah. parents and teachers, it takes you on a step. No, they're not snapping out of it. So you can stop thinking that. Right. What right. is testing all about? A mom came to the door and said to me, crying. I opened the door and she said, they want to test my kid's brain. Oh, the kid is brilliant. I said, this child, he knows he was seven years old. He could tell you about every animal that ever lived and tell you a million characteristics. His mm-hmm. parents read him because he liked mm-hmm. that. Right. Then it tells you what's the testing about that they're talking about. They don't know. They think they have to go spend $10,000 and you don't. IEPs at your pu- public school, even if you're in a private school, your public area school and the people I was a little snobby, I think. I think I was snobby. I thought, oh, well, I don't know about the schools having, you know, these testers. I'd sit at a meeting and a lot of them are, they're as smart as me, but smarter in their own field. You know what I mean? I tell everybody, stop paying $7,000. Go get an IEP and find out. Then the biggest thing, getting past the fear of medication. Mm -hmm. You know what? If you have to take a pill for your heart or your thyroid or whatever, it's very different now. It's just not riddle. And there must be so many meds. My little girl takes half a little teaspoon of something in the morning and changes mm-hmm. her whole. She learned mm-hmm. to read, write, and star on Annie. Right. Um, my book goes through, you know, having the right person to take you on the journey, whether it's an ed therapist. It can be. I met a girl. She was sitting at a table and she said, oh, I have learning differences, 32 years old. She dresses Hollywood um, actresses in the, when they go to the, all the shows. And she said to me, my second grade teacher took me through high school. I went, what? She said she was a brilliant woman who could do the math and science and everything, but she loved little kids. So she taught second grade, but she had her in second grade and she took her through 12th grade as a wow. tutor, as a therapist. Wow. Yeah. Have to find that person. Yeah, have to have a team. Yeah, they need us. Okay, parent came to me, and the child's talking with a lisp. 
and you want him to spell when he says that with a D. So he writes D-A-T. You have to get speech therapy. You have, do they need glasses? Can they hear? All those things ha- you have to do. Mm-hmm. Don't be negative. This is what you should do. Yes. Um, the team is important in finding your child's strengths and passions. The yes. Pa- I'm telling you, the parents yes. who come to me, when I say those words, they go, they like the computer. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And there's so many, there's so many, uh, passions and interests or that, you know, they don't, they're not into anything and it turns out, well, they're just not into anything that we're wanting them to do. Right. They're not into school related stuff, but most kids are into something and, and, and this, well, that's what you do. So I want to go back to some terms here. You've mentioned ADHD, you've mentioned testing, you've mentioned medicine, medication. And in your approach, you have this combination, this style of being non-pathological. We're not, you know, not being negative. We're focusing on strengths. And you embrace language for guidance and for intervention that you think will be helpful in a non-stigmatizing way, right? So for example... ADHD, that is a profile. And you see a lot of, you have taught a lot of students with learning differences who also have ADHD. And you're very serious about like, we got to address this thing or we're not going to get to where we need to get to. Yes. Um, Very interesting. As I look back on all these years, most of my kids are inattentive. So they're caught later because the parents think even when they're three, four, five, six, oh, they're just not turning around. They're not paying attention. Oh, that's not, he's not hyperactive. Those aren't the kids that slip through the cracks. I think the ones that are hyperactive get caught earlier mm-hmm. because they're doing things that are inappropriate or they're not paying attention, but they're jumping around. My students tend to be inattentive. So the parent says, but he's not jumping around. Well, that ADHD is ADD. It is also inattentive. And those are the kids that I, it's funny because I started thinking about it. I thought, wow, they're mostly inattentive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's several stories in your book where you talk about getting the accurate diagnosis and starting on medicine when it is deemed needed by the team can make all the difference in the world to open the door. Well, I have a student, the parents got him tested by, I was very pleased with the people got them tested. And all year I kept saying, he's still being oppositional defiant. There's a lot of this. We don't believe in medication. And I said, you know, I said, I think you really need to talk to somebody about this because we're not getting anywhere. He is oppositional defiant. He's negative. And I said, you don't understand. It's not he's going to become a drug addict. He might become a drug addict if you do nothing and he never succeeds. And he's 14 and people are saying, you're smart. Why can't you do this? You're smart. And so then they the child feels horrible. Mm-hmm. So I can only I can only push so much. Um, I just got a letter. It's funny from 
the little boy who knew everything about animals and he was doing fine and now he's older and she has not put him on medicine and he's really having a lot of problems in the older grades. And I wrote to her and I said, you got him tested by a fabulous tester. I have the report. She says, well, he took Ritalin. It didn't work. I said, he took Ritalin when he was eight years old. He's now 12. He's like sixth or seventh grade. I said, it's changed. I don't know what you're waiting for. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's brilliant, but I can only say it. And if they get mad at me, they get mad at me. Mm -hmm. I'm not the doctor that prescribes. I don't know. You have to go to an MD. I have no Mm -hmm. idea, but my instinct told me that. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've seen lots of success when kids, when, when their profile, their, um, their impulse control, their attentional challenges literally are getting in the way of learning. They're getting in the way of them being able to regulate their behavior, which then elicits negative feedback from the environment, which then reduces self-esteem and self-confidence. Like it's this whole cycle that starts to happen. And so you're clearly someone who just says what you believe and you say, listen, listen, if they don't like it, I just wrote a whole letter about it. I said, if you're unhappy with what I'm saying, you know, that's fine, but I, I can't, it's not going to go away. It's mm-hmm. just not going to go away. And he has mm-hmm. so many strengths. Why right. wouldn't you want to help him access right. strengths? I think of um, two things that jumped out to me also from your book, uh, my clinical experience and my personal experience myself and with my kids is the anxiety that comes from having a learning challenge and the, when are they going to call on me? Are they going to, is the person next to me going to have to proofread my illegible handwriting? Um, Am I really going to have to read in front of the class? What if I don't understand this? Why is it, I'm going to not finish. I'm not going to get to go on recess. So there's the anxiety piece. And the other piece I want to bring up for us to talk about in tandem or separately is cheating. And what I can say is when I, when I have given talks on learning differences and as someone who was an undiagnosed uh, dyslexic and dysgraphic person growing up, so everyone reading and writing was very hard, um, my cheating experiences were all based on my learning difference, not because I wanted to cheat. I actually am a very, I'm a rule follower. I'm like, I have very strong values and morals, but I cheated when I felt I had no other way. And I think when you look at the anxiety piece and the behavior, if we can take a broader look for these kids that it's hard, it's struggling, and they're in this high pressured environment and they feel stupid, you know, we need to understand that. Yeah, and I think... I, I just think that, first of all, teachers aren't taught about it and they think they're disabled and they don't really get that these kids are smart. Mm-hmm. And I just think now there's just so many things out that you can help a child. Like I have a child now and I said, I think he also needs some talk therapy. I think he needs to talk to a therapist who can, I'm not, even though I'm positive with him and all that, that's great. But I think and I have a student going to a new school. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. And I said, maybe work on it this summer, mm-hmm. you know, beforehand. Because kids listen to their parents. But I think if they have somebody 
that isn't their parent and they can talk to a speech, a speech, a, a, a education, not an educational therapist, a real therapist, mm-hmm. I mean, like a psychological therapist, somebody like that. And you can and, find them. Yeah. It's not hard. I mean, yes. the school will give you a list. That's always good. Or even a friend saying, gee, my son's seeing somebody loves them, mm-hmm. you know. And connecting all of the finding the spark, finding the strength, finding mentors, you've created several different formal and informal programs that, I mean, so the sleepover, right? So I, let's talk about the sleepover, which became the, you know, you became the part of the book. And then also the reading, re, right? The, the book, right? The book. You made the book. And then the reading to dogs. Um, just to name a few. So talk about how, well, let's talk about the sleepover first, because that again is a very creative way and fun way to get kids to read. I mean, you know what? I mean, I did it in a huge school. Okay. It was Dr. Waller's sleepover and they had to come at night. And I always had like, I had Stephen Cosgrove. He came one year and slept over. Eve Bunting came and she's the one who wrote the book about it. I always said that should have been my book, but I must tell you, if you read Eve Bunting's book, she describes me so perfectly about my little room behind the stage and she wears dangly jewelry. I just laughed because she really had me down to mm-hmm. really down to a peg. It was very funny. Um, but that was a sleepover where the kids came with their sleeping bags in the big auditorium. And every out of every hour, we did a creative project. And then we read for a half hour. Now, they could read with a friend if they wanted. And it just went on. And the, the person who came, like Stephen Cosgrove, gave a speech and talked to the kids. And we did a creative project. But I have done it with suit now that I'm a therapist for the last 10 years, not doing, usually I always did ed therapy and teaching. But this, now I'm just doing ed therapy. The kids can do it with two friends. You have mm-hmm. two friends come to your house. You have three friends. And listen, if you're a mom or dad, you have to sort of set it up. What are you going to do? But you set it up with your child. Okay, what do you want to do? I want a half hour where we're playing a game. Um, I want a half hour where we're singing songs and then plan it like that. And everybody brings their favorite book or you have a book that everybody can have, depending that, you know, how they read. But you can do it. That kind of thing is just you're saying we're going to do reading, but it's not like sit down and read a book. It's like a fun like I would do. I would do funny poetry right. with them. Right. I would do the funny all the funny poetry books. That would be fun because they're short Everybody can read them, make up your own poetry. Um, reading to dogs, uh, this boy who was here, he had a hamster and he gave him a hamster. This is the boy who was here who's now six feet tall. He gave he gave him a hamster mitzvah. And <laughs> he was a bar mitzvah. Yeah. And, he, and he, he was a cook, which he's still a cook in 12th grade. He's still a cook. But he cooked all the food and he made games for people to play. And he invited his friends. And the only trouble was Gerald's nocturnal. Mm. So he put on his outfit and he went right to sleep and missed the whole party. Gerald missed the party. <laughs> missed the party. The other thing Gerald did, which was one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me, Gerald disappeared. Okay, we didn't know what to do. He, I, I thought he was seven at the time, my student. I thought, oh, no, he disappeared. So the, the dads put out food around okay and gerald came out thank goodness i mean that was like a trauma he was so attached to gerald i kept saying by a dog they wanted to start with the uh, hamster yeah put him in his cage okay two days later 
My student is so upset. What's wrong? What's wrong? Gerald won't move. He's not moving. Is he dead? We don't know. He's down in the bottom. They have one of those big cages. He's down on the bottom of the cage, not moving. He won't eat. He doesn't do anything. I said, okay, I'll come with you. Let's get him out of there. We'll take him to the vet. We went, we took him to the vet. In his little pouch here, the pouch underneath, he had one of the um, magnets from the refrigerator, how you put stuff, the yeah. magnet had fallen, got stuck in his pouch. So he was attached. It's not funny. No, he, he was attached. He was attached to the <laughs> cage. Okay, I've never I've never heard that before. That, I know, thank God yeah. we got yeah. him. And t- I said to the dads, listen, I'll take them because we had been to the vet before. It's an important thing to take little animals and show. And the, the vet was so, she did it for no money, you know, and she talked to him. So we had already been to the vet. And I said, come on, we'll take him back. Whatever. When she opened his mouth and took out, it was so, I don't know. It, wow. It's funny. Wow. It wasn't funny, but yeah. he was attached to the, the metal. <laughs> That's my favorite Gerald story. So the hamster, so it, the reading to Gerald became reading to dogs. Like how did the, how did the, that oh, leap yeah. happen? Right. Yeah. Well, cause yeah. he reads to Gerald's in the cage and he'd read yeah. a book. To they don't, kids don't care. He was seven years old. Right. And we found right. books about, we found books about hamsters, you know, you yes. Yes. And, and he wrote a book. He took the hamster, he brought him over here. And I had a dog at that time named to uh, carrot and carrot and, and, they were friends, the little hamster. And then we had, he planned places around the house and I took pictures with the camera and like he planned, okay, now they're washing clothes. Now they're eating lunch. Then he made, it's called, um, um, Ashley books. They're hardback books you can buy online. They're blank books with a hard cover and you can make stories with your child. Let them either draw the pictures or cut out pictures and tell them, okay, dictate this story. We have to have a beginning, middle, and ending. You can type it for them, paste it in nice. And it's a real book. I mean, it's a book. I have books. Well, I have books. Their books are all over the place. The kids are always making books because Mm -hmm. then they wrote it and it's theirs. So they always wrote books about their pets. That's a good thing to do. It's Ashley books. They have bigger books. I like the eight by 10 big books for the little kids, but Mm -hmm. as they get older, they like the smaller books. Mm -hmm. Great books to use with any age child. Hot topic these days I'm interested in your take on as it relates to kids with learning differences and accommodation, and that is AI, artificial intelligence, right? In the last just few months, it's proliferated, right? In terms of everything is going through AI and people are using AI and schools are shutting down technology because people are using AI. I'm actually curious, as an educator, is there use for AI in a ethical way for kids with learning differences from your perspective? Okay. I've been cutting out every article in the New York Times on AI. I am fascinated because I'm thinking my students, they're they're gonna go on and they can they the hardest thing I can teach them to read. I could teach them to read. I they understand. So I don't have to worry about comprehension, but I could teach them to read. Writing is so hard because they're so bright. They have so many things to say. So when Aiden came the other day, I said, I've been cutting out all these articles in AI. I said, Won't that help you? So he put me on the computer and he showed me the AI and how how he can use it. He said, The thing is, 
it tells me a lot of stuff I need to know about a report I'm doing, but it leaves out so many things and the teachers are aware. So mm-hmm. if they're getting the same things, but I was like, I thought this is like heaven. Right. All you do put, you put, and he signed me up for AI and he talked into it and it writes the whole thing. So he doesn't have to spell or anything. He said, but they, they tell us at school, you can't use it because you'll get a couple kids with the same things. Right. But at least, they can, I think, I mean, he felt that what this is coming from a student who has issues. He said, I can read and see what they wrote and then maybe put mine in that order or sort of see it clearer. So right. he thought it helps him, but he said, no, we can't copy it because all the teachers know. But right. I think it's unbelievable. Right. It just right. popped up. Right. It is hard for a lot of uh, kids with learning differences to to have that blank page or just have that one writing prompt and that blank page. And what I've been hearing is, again, when used ethically, when used thoughtfully, AI can populate information to a bright child with learning differences and able to start them, to get them going, to get their own ideas going and and it, use it as a jump off point as opposed That's- to cheating right there's a difference it's a whole continuum yeah but i it's going to be that is the hardest thing and you know they fight over what reading and what this and what that baloney i mean you know what they have to i do i can't don't do phonics in isolation but i just don't like i do it i take the words out of a song i take words out that are all have the blends or have digraphs or whatever and I try to teach them at least these phonograms like A-T-E, I-T-E. I said, this is the most boring 10 minutes you're going to have, but you have to learn them because you can type. If you at least type in, you, if you write D-A-T, like my student who has a speech problem, you're not getting that back on the computer. But if you have one letter or two letters wrong, but it sounds okay, it'll spell check. That's the other thing. I push typing. I push mm-hmm, yep. typing. Yep. Parents yes. do it 10 minutes a night. Get them computer literate so they can type. So mm-hmm. I'm, I do, my sounds are different than like sounds in isolation. I try to do it all in the context of a song, of a story, something they've written and pull out all the sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do, I've done, you know, I've done everything. I mean, I do language. I don't, I never... You know, it was language experience. Well, that's not the only thing. Okay, it's phonics, yes, but it's not in isolation. I mean, I do it also when they're fighting. This is, I think, what are you talking about? And a lot of these, I don't want to say anything, but I'm going to. A lot of these professors have never taught a child with a learning difference. So Mm -hmm. there. They Mm -hmm. read books and they write these chapters and make pictures of brains. They've never taught a child with learning differences. Mm-hmm. It's very different than talking things about do this and do that. You so, know, yes. It's all I, the best. All of it's the best. <laughs> so your secret your secret sauce is you. we talk about passions, strengths, and creativity. And clearly creativity is a huge part of your life. We're not even getting into your all the bags you've created with these companies. Like you have so much creativity. The way you teach is creative, right? This is how, this is part of your secret sauce is you find ways outside of the box to get kids to engage in learning and like it. And I try to do things that they're successful in. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a song and you you want to, and I say, I know you can't stand learning vowels. It's too bad. Let's find it in the song. So I'm telling them the truth. You have to learn it and you have to learn to type, but I'm doing it with something they're interested in, whether it's sharks or, you know, the, the boy who came the other night was interested in cooking and we cooked for hours and Cooking, seven years old, he could cook anything. I took him to, there's a very famous Nancy Silverton who was with Wolfgang Puck for many years, and she had a restaurant, and he went there for one whole night and followed her. It wow. was so fascinating. And I said, what did you learn? You know, I thought that, he said, I learned that she really works hard. And I, <laughs> you really work hard, maybe you'll succeed. And I said, mm. yeah. Now he wants to be a marine biologist in the water with sharks. I mean, the pictures yeah. he showed me, why weren't the sharks eating you? He said, well, the people that take us down there, they feed them. So they're not hungry. They're not eating us. Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Shark yes. pictures, yes. my little boy who's six feet something. <laughs> I have a student who, for University of Pennsylvania, you you write you have to write a letter to somebody. This is for early admission to a very good university. So the person he was working with said, do not write about your mother and father. And the mother said to me, he wrote a letter to you. I said, what does it say? She said he wouldn't tell me. Well, he got accepted, early acceptance to Penn. And he the letter is a cry. It's a tearjerker. It really mm-hmm. is about how I was the only one, except his family, who really believed in him and yeah. knew that smart and what did he like the titanic and who did i get him involved with um oh the man who found the titanic and i just his name went out of my head but the man i know who, who you're talking about yes well because of what happened the whole week went by a couple of weeks ago and we didn't see robert ballard till yeah. the end of the week well yeah because he didn't approve of that that's why but yeah. robert ballard wrote him back and he said Think, I'm going to cry. Think big and don't let anybody talk you out of your dreams. Mm. And that's what he wrote in his letter. And he got early acceptance to Penn. That is awesome. Yeah, Think was, big and don't let anyone talk you out of your, dreams. Out of your dreams. Yes. Well, Vicki, it, you know, it, you hold, it holds true. It takes one person, the research of decades of research on resilience, one person believing in you. Makes all the difference. And you have been that for so, so many. Some who are in your book, many who are not in your book and who you've touched over your 40-year-plus career. And you're still doing it with the same passion. And it's it's contagious. It's contagious. um, It's time for the parent footprint moment question. We can talk all day. But unfortunately, we can't. So here we go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, an awareness of your parents, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids' lives, and or those you care about and love. Well, it was my, really what it is, is my, myself as an educator. When I went to college, every woman was becoming a teacher. And then all my friends in Detroit at 21, 20 were getting married and I wasn't, and I wanted to be a teacher and two big things happened that made me realize, 
you know, that kind of, I became aware of myself as a teacher and as an educator and as what I could do and what I changed in people in Detroit. Um, I was teaching a fourth grade class and I went into the inner city school. I was the only white teacher in the school and they, all the teachers came up to me and said, you got the worst class in the school. I thought that was a good first job. <laughs> I go into the classroom, fourth grade, 40 kids, no books. Do you understand I am saying no books? Everybody had to bring a pencil from home. Most didn't have pencils and no curriculum except you had to do the United States. I was like, there are no books. There's no, you know, and all these kids were just 40 kids smooshed into this room. That started me begging. I started begging from everybody I knew for not money as much as materials bookstores to give me books, pencils from people, paper from people. And I said, the United States, these kids, don't, they don't even know they're living in Detroit. What are you talking about? So I said to them, let's each of you go home and find a relative who lives in another part of the United States. That's what they're supposed to be learning. Okay. Unbelievably, they all came back mostly in the South. These were African-American kids and most were in the South. A lot of them were still in cotton field. It was very interesting, a long time ago. And every child came back with a person to write to. We wrote letters because there weren't computers. <laughs> we actually used a pen and a paper. They wrote letters and you won't believe it. They all got letters back from all, mostly South, but a lot of places in the United States. We made the whole room the United States. And mm. they put up the letters. They talked about these people. They made projects. What went on in Michigan? What were they built? Everything, just like what I'm doing now. And I thought to myself, I mean, I left after that because I ended up going to getting married and going to Cincinnati. And the, teach, and the teacher said, these kids will never have another teacher like that. Mm -hmm. Nobody will look into their lives like that and teach based on their. Then I went to Cincinnati there was no jobs, so I got a master's in reading with a brilliant man from Harvard and changed my whole life. I thought, I like those kids who have trouble learning. I really like it. And in Cincinnati, I got these seven boys. These seven boys. I mean, I had a lot of kids, but these seven boys. I was the reading teacher. Seven boys. And they loved the Hamburglar, okay? Oh, yeah. Guy that, oh, yeah. yeah. I know the Hamburglar. Yes. Uh, ran into McDonald's and sold hamburgers. Okay. Yes. Wrote the whole script, which they dictated because none of these fourth graders could read or write. They learned their script. They made the costumes. They made the costumes. McDonald's said, you can come here at 5 a.m. before we open and you can film. I had a camera you hold in your hand. And I, they memorized their lines. They did the most incredible job. And at the end, I, went, I can remember saying to my husband, this was the best day of my life. I mean, I really changed their lives. They're so positive. They want to read books and I can't believe it. And I went to school and I said to them, what did this mean to you? And I thought they were going to say, we could read, we can write. They said, are you kidding, Dr. Waller? We got McDonald's and fries free at 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I changed their life. You changed their life. Well, anyway, those were the two things yeah. that... Awesome. Not only awesome. did I want to keep teaching, but I and then I went on for a doctorate at Cincinnati. Yeah. I I wanted to teach the kids who I knew were smart yeah. and creative, but nobody yeah. else did. Yeah. Everybody hated them in their room. They couldn't wait to shove them to Dr. Waller. You are a 
gifted educator and a special, special person, Vicki. Well, you are too, Dr. Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell everyone where they can get this book. Yes, your child can, Creating Success for Children with Learning Differences. Where can they get it? Well, it's Amazon, but you can get it in every book. Barnes & Noble, but you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it Barnes & Noble and wherever books are sold. You know, look online and you can find it. And your, your website. Tell everyone where to find you on your website. Uh, well, my Instagram is, I think I like it the best because okay. I sort of put stories in there. So it's the Instagram is at Dr. Victoria Waller, I think it is. Isn't it? I, at Dr. It Victoria is. Waller. It is. That's okay. it. The All other right. thing, I do have to tell you something. I have a packet, which I can send you, that I created called Creativity with pro- uh, activities that parents can do with their kids or teachers can do with their students. And it's a whole packet. I'd be happy. That to would be send wonderful. You. And then you're, you can tell everybody who listens to you if they want a free packet, they can get the free packet. But it has, and it has the actual picture of what the children did, like building with, you know, this boxes and, you know, using balloons and all kinds of things. And the things in the house you can use or the classroom. Wonderful. Wonderful. So many resources. Everyone, get this book, give it, read it, and give it to everyone you know, a parent, an educator. It is so readable and accessible, and it's a book of hope. It is a book of hope. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you, Vicki. It's a pleasure, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Share this with everyone that you know who will benefit. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for your five-star reviews. They really do mean a lot to us. They make a difference. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question I ask myself each day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.